Postcards from a Dying World, the podcast. For more than a decade, I've reviewed over 1,000 books that are mostly science fiction, horror, and bizarro. This feed will feature bonus audio I have produced over the years, as well as a monthly digest of reviews based on what I've read each month, plus the occasional bonus material about my own fiction. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Postcards from a Dying World October 2020 Book Review Digest. October was a fun reading month for me, but since every day is a reason to read horror, I didn't focus on horror just because it's Halloween month. I just read my normal TBR. First up was Osama the Gun by Norman Spinrad. Even though this book was published stateside in 2017, it's important to remember that this book was devised in the years that followed 9-11. While the Trump years and the insanity of it may have dulled some memories of the political climate of the Bush years and the early war on terrorism, it's important to remember that um, era in the context of this book that was written in 2007, just six years after 9-11. Osama the Gun is an important novel, and in that sense, it's underrated. I wouldn't go to the level of calling it a masterpiece, as there are plenty of points and messages that I think were left beyond the text. While I think the intended message is clear, it is dated by the sense that it was written before the rise of ISIS, and I feel there's another story there. It has been compared a few times to The Iron Dream, Spinrad's uh, novel, The Iron Dream, but I think it's just the jaw-dropping audacity of the subject. Osama the Gun is written to present an unpopular point of view, but unlike The Iron Dream, it was not conceived to be terrible. See, the Iron Dream, Spinrad was writing as Hitler and mocking the sword and sorcery novel, thus the book was almost unreadable. Interestingly enough, though, Spinrad has um, just appeared too early on this topic because mainstream, mainstream publishers have done the war on terrorism and science fiction uh, since then with hardcover releases of Matt Ruff's The Mirage, Omal, Omar El Akar's The American War, which I review in the same episode, and Israeli author Lava Tidar has done um, the novel Osama, which was released to wide acclaim. So I'm working my way through all these books, and eventually it's going to end up as an episode of Dickheads, so keep your eye out for that. As a standalone, I think Osama the Gun should be read. It is far from my favorite spin read. The man has a shelf of masterpieces and unique works of spec- speculative fiction. So it's down on my list of spin read books, but that's not an insult because spin read is awesome. Uh, I interviewed spin read on the Dickheads podcast and we talked about the book. So hop on over to SoundCloud to check out that interview. I think it's interview number 13, but that's just off the top of my head. All right, next up I read Parable of the Sower, a graphic novel adaptation of Octavia Butler's classic novel, um, written by Damien Duffy and illustrated by John Jennings. So how did Duffy and Jennings do adapting this classic? Well, this is an intense book with huge themes that are expressed deftly in minor details. This graphic novel is an excellent translation and an important work Um, that will get the story and the ideas out there. So no matter how well it is done, I doubt Jennings and Duffy would think of it as a substitute for the novel. That said, this graphic novel makes up for one of the few negatives of the narrative format in Butler's original novel. The novel was written as journal entries, and at times it broke some of the suspense. The creators of this 
graphic novel smartly kept this idea in the text through narrative word bubbles that looked like tiny pastes of notebook paper and style and this and with stylized handwriting so we don't lose lauren's inner monologue but that said it is a graphic novel and we don't have the unfolding last night this happened kind of thing that kind of slowed down the narrative the artwork is powerful and has a painted somewhat abstract feel the panel and page design is great it flows and most importantly as a fan of the novel it felt right to me the book comes with a beautiful hardcover layout and there's like cool design even under the slip cover the introduction is by author nalo hopkinson is amazing and the whole package is a big thumbs up you can hear from the creators damien and john who appeared on this podcast two episodes ago next up is germany a science fiction by lawrence a rickles so here's the thing i never read the back cover or the description i wanted to go into this book cold and i read i read the preface and it mentioned a lot of science fiction i'm interested in all i knew was that rickles had written an entire book about philip k dick and so i wasn't entirely surprised that he was interested in tkd but uh, shocked that he seemed very interested in the novel the simulacra after a few pages i realized and i felt really stupid about this that this was not a novel but a collection of essays devoted to science fiction that came in the wake of world war ii that in itself is an interesting idea as the genre was really just hitting puberty when hitler marched across europe the hugo gernsbecks and john w campbells of the world were trying to shape the genre through the pulps and was faced with the side effects of having trouble getting paper at the same time their stories were an escape from the horrors of war and sometimes even carried to the front it could be argued that catherine cl moore henry uh Kuttner, and the a.e von votes of the world were the ones that were doing the shaping of the genre but rickles was more interested in the aftermath the message of this book is not spelled out in a two plus two equals four formula Rickles is not being definitive and exhaustively hitting point, um, hitting every point through which, through, um, you know, just exhaustive examples. There are separate essays that follow his muse. He seems to be just interested in the books that most interested him. Um, he's not trying to hit all canon, I guess is what I'd like to say. But for fans of critical theory of the genre, there's so much to chew on. I suppose I should not be surprised that no one else reviewed this book on Goodreads. You have to be an academic or a deep dive sci-fi theory dork like me to really enjoy it. Shit, this is the kind of book you could just implant into my brain, and I think that's the best compliment I can give it, except for maybe the one that I gave it by putting it two books down from Damon Knight's In Search of Wonder on my shelf. This is a must read for sci-fi theorists, and I'm glad I did. Next up is The Loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson who is an old friend of mine from Portland. This book is gore-drenched and cringe-inducing with events that happen left and right um, in a story that is science fiction slash monster slash body horror. There's fun stuff with class division that is more like Breakfast Club than Stranger Things, even though the book was marketed to be like Stranger Things. Uh, Lucy and her fellow um, adopted friends her fellow adopted friend bucket has the best most heart-filled relationship in the book and i think those elements 
are some that readers will miss just because of the white knuckle pacing. The Loop in most years would be a shoe-in for best novel of the year. The thing is, this is a year of masterpieces from Silvio Marino Garcia, Paul Tremblay, and Stephen Graham Jones. Not to mention, not to forget um, uh, Mallory by Josh Mallerman. There's just like a whole bunch of amazing books. And Stephen Graham Jones is my current leader with The Only Good Indian. Um, I'm not sure how this year will shake out, but this book is a really good sign of things to come, and it is one of the funnest books you can read of the year. So, you know, what you have in the loop is a fun horror novel that's kind of like Nick Cutter's The Troop meets um, Breakfast Club, and you're getting lots of comparisons to Cronenberg. Um, I think there's a little bit of Brian Evanson in there, too. Anyways, Jeremy was on the podcast the last episode, but he was also in episode six, so uh, check those out. Next, The American War. The American War by Omar El Akkad. Now, The American War is a dystopian novel set in the latter half of the 20th century, but thanks to the nuttery of the current executive branch, the story feels more real than it ever should have. I have recorded an interview with Omar, and it'll be up on the podcast feed soon, so keep your eye out for that. And in the meantime, I'm trying to process this experience the best I can. This novel operates on a few levels, and there's a lot to unpack. While it is important to note that this novel is very much science fiction, dystopian, and cli-fi for starters, in a sense, that's a fair com with fair comparisons to The Road, Handmaid's Tale, and The Sparrow in the sense that it's clearly genre fiction, but written by somebody who is not a genre fiction writer and certainly not marketed that way. I personally feel the distinction is bullshit, and whether someone intended to write science fiction or not, this novel is science fiction. American War is not a success as pure science fiction or a dystopian novel, but that's okay, because... The novel is a work of political allegory on top of all that, and that is the strength. The message is strong and powerful, and that is why it should be read and why it's important. In the context of science fiction's response to the war on terrorism, from the voice of an Egyptian-born author who traveled all over the Middle East and um, Afghanistan as a reporter, and also back to the United States to cover the Ferguson riots, um, Omar is uniquely suited to write this novel of the second American Civil War that is a political allegory for the Iraq War. Finally, I read Blacktop Wasteland by Sean A. Cosby, or S.A. Cosby. I can say this is a wonderfully simple and perfect crime noir set in the South that is driven by strong, well-developed characters. There's nothing exactly groundbreaking or earth-shattering, but it doesn't have to be. It's a fun, exciting noir, and the strongest aspect of this novel is the confident, clear voice that Cosby writes with. I also wanted to point out, point to the dialogue for a moment. Crime fiction always hinges in a serious way in how the characters interact and talk. The giants of crime know this. Elmore Leonard, Tarantino are obvious examples. Cosby has good dialogue, Although, oddly, the best example of this were the scenes in the nursing home between the main character, Bug, and his older mother. That shit felt real. This is a fantastic noir, 
And here's the amazing thing. This is Cosby's first novel, so he has room to grow yet. And I expect that to happen in tighter dialogue and bigger scope. That said, I loved every page of this one and think prime readers should be stoked to be ahead of the curve because the film rights for this were just gobbled up by John Legend's um, film company and the screenwriter, co-screenwriter of Mudbound is going to adapt it. So I've contacted Sean about being on the podcast. We're trying to work out a time, so I hope he makes it. So anyways, November is going to be a fun month. The next one I'm reading is The Living Dead, and then I'm not sure after that. But uh, please check out future episodes of the podcast. We've got um, Omar L. Akkad and Brandon Braga on deck for Postcards from a Dying World. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Uh, thanks for listening.